Hi everyone, this is Richard Osborne and welcome to this episode of the Expert Language Trainer podcast. Um, I haven't recorded an episode in a very long time and I think it's the it's the moment to do it now after everything that's been going on in the world. Um, if you haven't heard this podcast before, I've been harping on for, I can't even remember how many episodes, about all sorts of different things about language teaching. And if you're familiar with the podcast, you'll know that very often I talk about the idea of teaching online, and it's been something that I've been talking about for three years now, um, having started my own business after being a language teacher for eight years in France, um, an English language teacher for professional adults. And uh, yeah, obviously, you know, it's been three years of people seeing the, the logic behind teaching online and what it brings to them and their business. So like, you know, working with um, teacherpreneurs, I call them entrepreneurs who are teachers who want to start their own business and teacherpreneurs who see that, yeah, okay, I could actually make more money if I use the online stuff and um, that I would help to con- them to convince their clients on how that can actually be um, a good quality of uh, training as well. So, you know, I, I'm, I was banging my head against the wall for the last three years because um, I knew that the way I was doing online teaching, because I loved it so much, it was my preferred way of teaching, that there was no problem for me to sell that to a client. But I knew as well that clients were reticent about it. And I felt it from, you know, as soon as I took on somebody, a new English um, learner who, um, you know, would, would be used to doing maybe face-to-face stuff or has never done training before or has bad experiences of e-learning, you know, to convince them to that I'm going to do, you know, I'm insisting on doing one hour with them face-to-face and one hour with them online, something they do online um outside the classroom in their own time homework uh that that was something they're like yeah okay well you know i could do without the homework stuff and they felt like i'm sort of imposing it on them or like it's a a gimmick or something like that so i I knew that so if if i even if even i knew that then obviously teachers who i'm trying to help get into that same way of doing things to make uh, you know get a better salary basically um they were having a really tough time uh, getting into it, learning it, and at the same time trying to convince their clients that it's a good idea when they're not even that used to it themselves. It was really tough. So it was really a case of just banging my head against the wall for the last three years. That's not to say that nobody was interested. And I've had a lot of, if you're listening to this, maybe you're one of the people that I trained over the last three years in France or abroad. Um, I did some international training on how to become a digital language trainer, um, focusing on how to market yourself on social media that was a lot of fun, um, and we learned a lot in that. But at the same time, it was the same story. At the end, the teachers took what they wanted from it, which is great, but they did they missed the core idea of it, um, the core principle of what is actually really, really effective about blended online, blended language learning, what we called it before, what we still call it today, or the flipped classroom or whatever you want to call it. So I want this episode to be really just a revisiting of flipped classroom blended learning approach the way to make your online training really pop because i feel like now during this context where i'm recording this episode we're just out of confinement uh, quarantine in france um, where every single teacher in this country and there are a lot of teachers in this country uh, language teachers sorry a lot of freelance language teachers in this country um, they all suddenly had to learn how to do online teaching and what happened was which is normal uh, they have been avoiding it for all these years because their clients don't want it, which is, like I said, it's normal, it's totally understandable. 
Um, you know, they had no reason to push it on their clients. I had a reason to push it on my clients because I loved it. It was my preferred way of teaching and I wouldn't have been motivated had I not had the ability to send them homeworks through digital means. Um, but a lot of teachers, you know, most teachers in France, that wasn't the case. Their clients were very happy with face-to-face teaching. I had a lot of clients before I would go and pitch my my services, my training, teacher training to them. Um, you know, maybe a, a language training company. Uh, I would go in and show them the tools I use, show them my own tool that I developed, um, that I, I licensed to schools, and show them, you know, what I'm doing. And they would see it and think, yeah, it's all fine in theory, but my clients are top-level executives, managers, they're not going to be interested in, in doing that. They, they don't have time. You know, they don't have time to complete things outside of class. They see it as useless. They see it as ineffective. They've done e-learning before in their job, and they hated it. So I'm not going to be able to sell it to them, which is totally, you know, it, it, it might sound sometimes like I'm so into tech that I'm critical of people who are not into tech, but that's totally understandable too. And I've experienced it myself, these clients from the client side saying, you know what, I just want to learn English to so just do it the way that I know other people are doing it. Just teach me because I just need to learn. So, you know, I need to speak English as soon as possible. So just get me there. You know, I don't care about your fancy e-learning techniques. Just get me to where I want to be. Uh, I'll pay and you come and you teach me and whatever. We'll just do face-to-face. So I've had that and a lot, and most teachers in France, I think, had that up until recently um, where what happened was you had quarantine so the it was a it was in waves it was in stages right first stage was quarantine hits and this was me you know i was in contact with a lot of schools all over france a lot of freelance t- um, trainers quarantine hits uh everybody says right everything's on pause work is on pause therefore language training is on pause um some of them were like yeah okay we're in an individual one-on-one class so let's just carry on i'm having my meetings via zoom so let's just carry on doing it via zoom or microsoft teams or whatever um let's just keep doing our lessons over over zoom for now you know that's just it's a it's a kind of um contingency approach right so it's a contingency plan we're just going to do it over zoom and the pedagogy of that in that first wave where some people wanted to do it it was like okay it's a it's a it's an emergency solution. So it, it, doing the online teaching, it wasn't really online teaching or video conference teaching. It was just like a, a telephone lesson that we've all done before, you know, doing a lesson over the telephone with someone. It's pretty tricky. Um, you've got just your voice to go on. You haven't got a whiteboard. You haven't got photocopies. You've got nothing to put in front of them to show them examples, nothing to draw with, um, you know, not nowhere to play a video unless you kind of stick the phone up to the speaker of your computer or something like that. So, you know, it's, is that kind of most teachers I think were doing it at that sort of level. They were like, right, I need to use video conferencing. I know how to Skype people because I Skype like my family members sometimes who live far away. So I'll just do that and I'll I'll just, you know, have my learner on Skype and teach them that way. And that means I'll still get paid and they still get to learn and that's great. And I think that was initially that was thought to be okay because we were like, okay, it's going to be four weeks of confinement. You know, we can do this for four weeks. And then four weeks turned into eight weeks. And then eight weeks turned into whatever it was in total. It was like 10 weeks in France. Um, and somewhere in the middle of it, it was like, oh, my goodness, this this whole telephone lesson thing is really dragging on. This whole joining people through Zoom thing is dragging on. And I think a lot of teachers in the second wave, which was when companies came back to the teachers and said, right, look, this is going to go on for a while. And even after it's finished, we're not going to get to see each other because even after the quarantine's lifted, it's not like we're all going to go out, dance and start you know, hugging and kissing each other um we will probably still not see each other so 
we need to bed down. We need to, you know, settle in. This is going to be, this is the way it's going to be for a while. Um, so then that second wave company said, right, well, we've still got the training ongoing. We've paid for it. We would like to get what we paid for. So let's carry on. And even not just individuals, it was even then groups. Um, and I heard that. I remember hearing people telling me, yeah, I used to have groups of like 10 people at a time, but I've only got about two at the moment. And then that slowly grew as more people from that group decided to come back in and are like, oh my God, now I have 10 people. What am I going to do? Can you help me? How do I manage 10 people on a video conference? You know, imagine having a 10-way telephone lesson. Like that just fills me with dread, that idea. I hate telephone lessons anyway. And uh, having it like with multiple people, no way, couldn't do it. And I, I remember articles from the books, like, you know, Market Leader or something about, you know, how to interrupt somebody on a conf call on a, on a conference call or how to take your turn and stuff like this and I just thought oh my god it just sounds awful um and you know we joke about that uh but I, for me as well because i'm from that video conferencing world so i know the real power behind video conferencing i know what it can do so i was never um i never felt like i have to do telephone lessons or that there was something wrong with with switching over to video conferencing anyway so a second wave, more people are coming, people are asking to continue their training. And then what you get as well is that these guys coming back, these learners coming back saying, yeah, right, okay, well, let's just carry on. Sure, I'll invite you into my Microsoft team. Is that okay? And they're like, what's a Microsoft team? Oh, you know that software that everybody uses? Like, it's as common as muck as Microsoft Word was started to consider being considered as common as muck 10 years ago. You know, if you went 10 years ago for a job interview and for an office job and somebody said yeah so obviously you know the the word and excel office package and you were like oh no i don't really know that you would be you know that, that you'd be laughed out of the interview um it was just like it's a basic thing like knowing how to type on a keyboard and today it's starting to be video conferencing that's the thing you know it's uh that's the the the, the no-brainer thing that you're supposed to know how to do today is to do a video conference and you know i, I talked about this during the training that i've done over this confinement um quarantine period with teachers who were in this situation where their clients are saying, you know, we have to get the training started again, let's go. And they are forced to get into something that they've never done before and they've never wanted to do before, or they're considered to be a low quality alternative to teaching or something that you get online for 10, 10 euros an hour uh, on italki or whatever it is, Verbling and, you know, websites where you get like really cheap teachers from all over the world um, where it's not going to be the same kind of quality as having that, you know, higher level um training that we do here in france where we have a program and objectives and all very strict kind of professional business stuff that's to high levels of quality standards etc so you know they were forced into this type of teaching that they considered to be low quality um and so they're you know calling me up and asking me for help so during that period uh, i trained a lot of teachers and i heard about a lot of different stories about what their clients were asking them to do and it really painted a picture in my head that you know what is the world today and it cemented in my head last night when I heard the radio in France, the French radio was talking about how, what was it, the, the quote that I stuck in my head last night? It was, uh, yeah, we're trying to like write a report, you know, globally, we're trying to do a report about how technology um, made possible what happened during the quarantine period in all of these developed countries. And the, the, the line was like, and then we need to talk about how um, technology is going to save the world. And I just thought, yeah, that's actually kind of true in this case, like, we would joke about that before, but now technology during this period, it really did save the world in a way, you know, whatever you think about the coronavirus um, situation, um, the technology permitted us to continue working from home for most of us, not all of us, obviously. 
um, but it was a, a lifesaver for a lot of people. So, um, you know, it's it, but anyway, the, 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 what, what, what happened with the, paint, the picture I got painted with this whole, um, these different stories and these quotes was there's a general assumption in the world today that if you are required to work from home, it will be possible because the general assumption is everybody who works has a computer or tablet and is therefore able to join a meeting. They have a computer with a webcam. You know, go back 20 years, I had a desktop computer. I didn't have a webcam. Or if I had a webcam, I had to plug it in by USB and fix it to the top of the screen and, you know, then download the drivers and the software wouldn't work very well. And, you know, you'd have to call technical support and whatever. And, you know, it wasn't as easy back then. And now, like, you know, fast forward 20 years, like, you get a tablet for 100 euros from China and it's got a camera that works really well and you can see people and do video calls. So, there's this, there's this, there's this real kind of um, status quo that came out of it, actually, where it's like, yeah, yeah, sure, you can work from home. There was that wasn't even a question. Can you work from home? It was well, just work from home. You know, you can't come into the office. Yeah, just work from home. I mean, your job's pretty much just meeting people and doing spreadsheets and you know filling in stuff on our online platform, sending emails and replying to emails or whatever. So yeah, just do that from home. That's fine. So this assumption that first of all, everybody has a good computer. Second of all, everybody has a good internet connection. And third of all, that they have like a, a home life where it's possible so like they don't have kids climbing up their back and you know sitting on top of their head while they're in the middle of a video conference call with the you know Japanese head office or something like that. So um, that was really tough. That's really tough for our industry, the, the language teaching industry, because um, I've said it time and time again in my training courses, um, if you work in an office, that's maybe no problem. Actually, this may be the case. If you work in an office that they've made you use Teams at once or they've made you use Whereby or whatever, Zoom maybe, it depends on what soft WebEx, what software you've chosen in your company has been imposed on you and you've had to do conference calls with Teams in other countries. And so it might actually be something that even you're maybe not really good with computers, but these are tools that you know how to use. You know, even people who are like self-confessed technophobes, they would know how to do a Word document just because it's something they've done in their job you can't do a job these days normally without some sort of software you use some kind of software for your job right um so everyone has that basic competency except for us teachers because a lot of us teachers have been teachers for 10 20 30 40 more years and therefore missed out on all of that we missed out on all of that people becoming used to so used to word that it just became as, as simple as using a pen you know as as, as assumed as the ability to use a pen. Um, and that's what we've missed out. A lot of teachers have missed out on that. And it makes it terrifying to start this late in the game. Absolutely crippling, cripplingly terrifying, petrifying to get into computers so late in the game, to make yourself look foolish in front of your learner, um, to not be able to use the technology the way other people are, that your learner's saying, you know, oh, you just send me the homework on Google Docs. I'll fill it in for you. And you're like, oh, what's a Google Doc? Oh, well, maybe Microsoft 365 if you don't have Google Docs. What's 3.6? How many? You know, it's I'm being kind of funny and almost a bit patronizing, but that's literally the, the case. It's not uh, to denigrate anybody. It's to say when you're out of the game that long and you don't have, you're not used to it, you're not doing Microsoft Word stuff anymore or whatever, then certainly not doing video conferencing calls with teams in Poland or whatever. That's something that is a big, big, big change. So a lot of teachers over these last two, three months have gone through a literally like no no other way to describe it than a baptism of fire, but like almost literally a baptism of fire. I mean, stress over these last two or three months. 
Um, so that's the situation. And we're in the third wave where most teachers, if not all teachers that I know, have now got into teaching through video conferencing. Now, there's two groups, I think, at the moment. There's, well, three groups. There's a, there's a group like me who had already been doing it before. So just we kind of like have advanced our skills a bit um, and got more honed our skills and have got better at it. There's the group who got into it during confinement, maybe quarantine, maybe knew a little bit about it before and have got way better at it now um, and are feeling like this is good, this is working, I'm enjoying this. They're getting into using more advanced tools, not just video conferencing. But then there's the third group, which is um, the group who are struggling and the group who, you know, I would love to help them. And I'm, I'm, we're, I'm thinking about that at the moment. Like, what can we what can we put together? What sort of offer can we have that can help teachers where um, they're really struggling just with the basic use of a computer. So getting the video conference up is not an assumed thing for them. Um, we can't assume that they can just know how to download and install software and know how to avoid viruses and all that kind of stuff that is maybe second nature to most, is not second nature to everybody. So that that's a real serious situation at the moment that they are doing their video conferencing calls. But if something goes wrong or if the learner asks them to do something that's outside of their comfort zone, I think it can be really embarrassing. And I'm sure there are a lot of teachers out there listening who might feel like that's, um, well, I mean, if you're listening to a podcast, maybe you're actually already kind of familiar with technology, but there are a lot of teachers out there who are not listening, um, who are really under a lot of pressure and stress at the moment, feeling like they're working double time to be able to do the same amount of work that they did before. And so that's not cool. Um, but that's where we're at today. So why tell you that big, 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 long story? I think it's interesting to know. It doesn't matter what category you fall in. I think you should know about what your colleagues are going through in the industry. Um, and at the same time, I think it leads very well into blended learning because all of those groups can learn something from revisiting blended learning in the flipped classroom. Because what was happening was, like I said, we were treating video conferencing at the beginning like an emergency solution, just doing it like a telephone class. And then we started realizing that the learners want more. They want to be stimulated more. They're bored doing just video conferencing. Just seeing your head will make them bored eventually. Telephone classes are boring too. Um, there is a way to do it right. I'm sure there's a way to do telephone classes right. I never figured it out because I don't like it. But um, there's definitely a way to do video conferencing classes right. And what you learn is when you get those techniques and tools to do video conferencing classes right, and you can, you know, you can get over those hurdles of the technological difficulties that you might have um, getting used to these new tools and also the hurdle of the time investment, how much time it takes to learn these new tools and to become good at them. Um, your video conferencing calls will transform into something that will surprise you and it will surprise your learners. And I have not stopped hearing it for three months. Feedback from my training, from people who've got out there and done the video conferencing stuff and used the simple tools that I talk about or that they know already, they come back and they say, I just had my first class today and my learner was so surprised. He was so happy with the tools and the homework that I gave him. And it was so interesting to him. And, you know, I'm really pleasantly surprised myself um, and I'm really happy. So what happens is you start doing video conferencing classes and realizing that you can make them as effective as a face-to-face lesson. I'm not using the word as good as because I don't think you should compare classroom lessons with video conferencing lessons. Both of them can achieve really good quality learning, teaching, but both of them work in very different ways. The way that we do it in a classroom is not the way we do it on video conferencing. The principles are the same. So, you know, having a group, you need to sometimes split them up and do role play and pair work 
and having individual you need to mix it up a lot because they're only with you you need to give them input from other language sources not just from yourself you know um, try to keep them keep it fresh and keep them hearing other examples of of language use because they're only with you so don't let you don't let yourself be the only example of what they hear for you know that language um source um but that you can get to the the point where whatever you did in the classroom that you thought felt was the best way to teach you can do those you can teach those same people on video conferencing and it will be really really good and you won't feel like it's less quality than the classroom and hopefully you won't compare them anymore you'll think I love doing classes on video conferencing for X, Y, and Z reason. I love doing classes face-to-face in the classroom for A, B, and C reason, which is, for example, in the classroom, you can see the person, you can reach out and touch them, you can stand behind them and watch what they're doing, you can see what they're writing on the piece of paper and you know that they can um, you know, have a book and bring their notes with them and all those sort of things that are not as easy to do digitally. You know, It's not as easy because you're not, you don't have physical things that you can touch and manipulate. Um, that you can bring them a coffee and sit down and have a chat or you know go out for lunch afterwards and things like that it's like the human nature of meeting people face to face but then online you can do things like um you know showing them google maps and having them reach in and control your google maps and showing you things about the map and you showing them things about the map and just collaborating and you know having shared documents recording the sessions anytime you want recording anything from the session you find interesting or useful uh, having them watch the recording afterwards, having it all tied into the same tool, for example, um, stored in the same place, as opposed to having things printed and things on the computer. Everything is on the computer, so you can take photos of things and send them. You know, Anything you're showing them, you can instantly take a photo of. Any book that you're showing them, you can instantly annotate, take a photo of and send to them as a homework activity. Things that These are things that I've shown in my training courses that have been like, wow, geez, I wouldn't have been able to do that if I was in a classroom, if I was in a classroom, it would be get them to look at the book, talk about the things that you're interested in, you want to highlight, highlight them yourself, go and make a photocopy, come back and give them the photocopy. So you can achieve the same thing, but doing it on the computer is just so much easier. And you end up with this lovely color version of the highlighting and you can highlight and type text and everything and uh, make little symbols on there and drawings and stuff. And the learner can collaborate and also highlight and put things on that page from that student book. Uh, and then you take the photo and send it to them. Um, just little, just things like that. That's just one or two examples of things that are the X, Y, and Z reason why I love doing video conferencing. But I know that I can't go and get them a coffee or I can't just easily nip out of the classroom to go to the toilet or I don't know, silly stuff like that. Um, so I know that it's not, it's just not the same. Um, but for me, they're both equally good at achieving what we're trying to do, which is teach some, help somebody improve their language skills. Um, so to finally get to the point of talking about blended and flipped, um, blended learning is not just running a really good video conferencing class. It's using the technology to the full potential. That is, when we're in a video conferencing class, we're taking photos of things, we're recording things, we're um, storing things and saving things from that class. It makes the most natural homework you could possibly have. So when I'm saving a photo from something we've done and I'm saying, okay, we didn't get time to talk about this grammar point uh, in much detail, what I would like you to do is take it away and record yourself talking about it at home and then bring that recording and play it to me in the next video conference because they don't have to bring anything physically. They just have to start their computer where they've stored that recording that they've done on you know, whatever the devices that they've recorded on um, and then play it to you through the screen share 
So it's all there, you know, all the, the technology facilitates these kind of things really, really well, and it helps keep everything packaged. So um, flipped, the original concept was, um, you know, I'm teaching you, uh, I'm doing a language class face to face, I want to teach you something about present perfect, instead of going into a 10 minute grammar presentation, what I'm going to do is, if it comes up spontaneously, for example, like I'm, t- I'm not teaching them present perfect today, I'm teaching them something else. And then they, it comes up that they have a problem with present perfect. Instead of stopping and saying, whoa, let's take a, a little segue here and we'll, a little side por- a sidebar and we'll talk about present perfect. Um, instead of doing that, you say, right, let's not waste class time doing this because class time is precious. It should be used for talking. Let's stick with the point we've got. But I will note that I'm going to give you that for homework, that present perfect stuff. So um, you, on, on a video conferencing call, could then try to find a nice video from YouTube about present perfect, send it to them. You know, if it's a BBC grammar, six minute grammar video about present perfect, that's great because it's like a mini lesson from a different teacher. Send it to them, say, look, listen to this lesson. He gives six examples of present perfect. Could you write your own examples that are similar to the ones that he did? And then we'll look at that next time when you come in. So it's outsourcing kind of presentation material to learner time only. And so learner plus teacher time is exclusively for practice and more like coaching in the sense where um we're letting the learner take control letting the learner take the lead and then we're behind them saying okay but like here's some feedback from the sort of expert side on what i think you could improve um so you're you're maximizing that amount of time that you have for that in the class and keeping all the teacher talking time for outside of the class so instead of reducing teacher talking time which is something sometimes people talk about we export that we, we, we outsource that teacher talking time to the computer and we say, right, I'm going to send you something that'll take you about 30 minutes to do. And that's 30 minutes that I've saved from class time where you'll be scratching your head inside class, trying to figure it out, asking me questions, coming to the conclusion uh, mostly on your own. Why don't you just do that at home and come to the conclusion mostly on your own at home? So um, that was fl- that's flipped and that's done in high schools and a lot of different places, uh, secondary schools, high schools. Um, and what we're doing in a language class we've started calling more like blended learning because we're not just outsourcing things from the class to the computer. What we're doing is um, spontaneously reacting to things within the class, um, creating homeworks spontaneously at the end of the class, and then trying to blend between what we've talked about in the class, what they do at home, and then what happens at the beginning of the next class. And you have this cycle of, I go into the class with an intention, I'm gonna teach you present continuous, and we talk about present continuous, and we do an exercise or whatever. And during that, I realized that you actually have a lot of false friends mistakes. Well, that blend, you know, I, I talked to you about that at the end. I said, look, there's, you know what a false friend is? Yeah, let's have a look at that. So you said this, and you said this, and these are false friends, and here's what the real um, translation is. Um, you know what, why don't I send you a really funny video from YouTube, and you can have more of a look at false friends at home. And then the next time, we'll really get into it in the beginning of the next class, and we'll, we'll really hammer down what uh, a false friend is, and then we'll carry on with uh, either talking about false friends as the next classroom theme or we'll carry on with the program you know the next thing we're going to talk about is um past simple um so it, it just makes this lovely blend between what you've done in class and what they do at home where there's the, the the lines are very much blurred between what you've done in class and what they do at home so they don't feel like it's homework they feel like it's an extension of what you've done in class or and it's also a preparation for what you're going to do in the next class but really like not just kind of i've told them that they have to prepare it but they feel it and they feel like to make progress, I'm going to have to do this. It makes total sense to do this at home 
Um, you know, why should the teacher waste my time by harping on at me about false friends when I can just watch this video myself at home? It blends together the two worlds as well that exist where learners know that they can learn today for free. And we're in a world where everybody knows you can learn stuff today for free. You just, you know, you want to know how to fix your car. You go on YouTube and you type in Peugeot 307 um, radiator fix and you'll find a video that shows you how to do it for free. And that's the world we live in today. You want to know about Present Perfect? Type in Present Perfect. There's about 5 million videos on YouTube about the Present Perfect in English. So what is the role of the teacher? The role of the teacher is to put those things into some sort of sense and context. In the context of a language learning program, in the context of a real-life discussion personalized to the learner, in the context of understanding how that's fitting into your progress and you shouldn't do things all at once or in the wrong order, that you should do them in the right kind of sequence sometimes when it comes to grammar things. The teacher is there as the guide and you can use those free things, but it, it just makes, they already make sense to the learner and you've given them an even higher level of sense that really makes it feel like your job is absolutely worthwhile um, and really, really important and the learner will appreciate your classes so much more. Um, having those two worlds married together and really not, you know, not having an elephant in the room, but really being like, okay, um, let's let's address this. That's so much content out there. I'm going to help you. I'm going to use it, and we're going to help. Uh, we're going to get you um, improving your language level using all the resources we have available because we're on the computer, and it just makes so much sense on the computer to use the things that are available through the internet to help you progress. Um, so that's just a kind of brief flyover of where we're at. Bring it back into the podcast world to say you know i've been out of it for a long time i've been doing a lot of teaching i've been doing a lot of training i'm back now i would like to do more episodes um let's continue the conversation next time uh maybe more about blended learning and some examples of tools and activities that i've done recently that we can uh, we can study a little bit about how to do better blended learning so um i hope to see you again next time thanks a lot for listening and uh take care good luck out there <laughs>